Well, it's one of Donald Trump's pet topics on the campaign trail, talking about NATO allies and their defence spending. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay, you're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. Well, since that speech at a rally in South Carolina on the weekend, NATO's Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg has given a sharp rebuke, saying the comments put the safety of US troops and their allies at risk. Watching these comments closely is, of course, Ukraine, which has been campaigning to join NATO since Russia's invasion almost two years ago. Yuri Sark is an advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Strategic Industries. He's also a former advisor to the country's defence minister. Yuri, how do you feel when a potential US presidential candidate is essentially saying Russia can, quote, do whatever the hell they want. And yeah, I think I feel the same way millions of people around the world felt when they heard that first, uh, which is speechless, uh, because I think the last two years have shown that if it wasn't actually for the unity among the NATO members, uh, we would have been living by now in an entirely different world. This large-scale invasion of Ukraine uh, and the war that actually started in 2014, uh, Russia in their propaganda and in their attempts to justify these war crimes and this aggression, they've always, they've always been saying that they want to stop NATO from spreading further east. And in essentially what happened was, you know, the last two years have made the NATO alliance stronger, more committed, bigger. And we are very hopeful that when the next... NATO summit will take place in Washington this summer. There will be more important decisions taken and Ukraine will come closer to joining NATO. So let's hope everything that the candidate said is electioneering and doesn't have any bearing on the reality. Almost a decade ago, Yuri, NATO allies pledged to move towards spending 2% of GDP on defence by this year, but only about a third have met that target. During the Cold War years, defence spending for NATO allies to average more than 3% of GDP. I mean, dare I say, does Donald Trump have a point? Does the region need to step up its game in terms of funding NATO? Andy, we as an international community, we, were, we have all been living oblivious to the possibility of an all-out war uh, for a very long time. This is why I suppose defense budgets in different NATO countries have not been up to scratch, uh, so to say. But at the same time, we are now seeing all, for example, European countries ramping up the production of ammunition, investing in new technologies that determine the future of the modern warfare. So we're seeing the NATO members uh, increasing their defense budgets because they understand that the kind of threat that we are facing now is something that we have long forgotten about, but it's still real. It exists, let alone other potential conflicts around the world, which may require swift action from the alliance. NATO members themselves argue that Ukraine's accession uh, must wait until the conflict ends to avoid risking a wider war between Russia and other NATO uh, partners. Do you accept that? I mean, and how long could that potentially be? We are aware of uh, the uh, founding documents of the NATO alliance. And according to those documents, uh, a new member uh, cannot join the alliance uh, if there is an ongoing conflict in that country. So this is why, 
at the moment, Ukraine is working with individual uh, members of NATO alliance with the G7 countries to secure the so-called broad guarantees that will serve as a you know, as a, if you like, substitute for our full-fledged membership until we join. Uh, we understand that, you know, the war in Ukraine has to end and we're doing all we can to make sure that it happens sooner rather than later. I want to move on from NATO matters to the Russian drone strike on Kharkiv, uh, Ukraine's second largest city at the weekend. It left at least seven people dead. What do we know about this attack and how many Russian drones did Ukraine manage to stop uh, in this aerial assault? Well, in this area of salt, uh, among those seven people who were killed, there were three children, one seven years old, one four years old, and one nine months old. So it's another war crime uh, and it's another atrocity for which there will be responsibility. Now, uh, we are at the moment uh, shooting down about 75 to 80 percent of the Shahed drones, which the Russian uh, Terrorist Federation is using against us. But at the same time, we're seeing the change of tactics. So they are equipping their Shahed drones with new navigation systems, which they hope will allow them to evade our air defense systems. Sometimes they succeed and this wreaks havoc and destroys civilian infrastructure and peaceful homes. But again, thanks to the support of our allies, our air defense systems are much more improved by now, and the ratio of shooting down these drones is is pretty high. I mean, we, we remember back to the heady days of September 2022 when Ukraine managed to take back control of the region around Kharkiv. I mean, Russia is clearly regrouping now. Uh, how do you feel about this regrouping in terms of what's needed from the international community to meet this new offensive? Well, first of all, we have degraded Russian army to such an extent by now uh, that uh, at the moment, according to our assessment, they don't have sufficient uh, capabilities to launch a major offensive in any part of the front line. Now, at the same time, of course, we continue on a daily basis to speak to our allies about the uh, more provision of ammunition, uh, heavy artillery. We're expecting F-16s to arrive and uh, we know that Australia has gone through uh, a very difficult discussion about the Taipan helicopters for Ukraine, which we we were asking for them to use them for medical evacuations because thousands of lives can be saved if we have that equipment now. And uh, we know that it's not easy, but at the same time, we also know that Australia has uh, magnificent Bushmasters, which are very well equipped for medical evacuation. So if the Australian government will uh, be considering that issue, we hope they will uh, look at Bushmasters for medical evacuations. Because look, Andy, we know uh, we are very grateful for every bit of support that we get from our friends, from our partners, including Australia. And we know that during this war, you know, uh, certain countries uh, have been able to actually even benefit economically from uh, the changes in commodity prices globally. So I think it's in our common interest uh, to stand with Ukraine uh, and, you know, uh, make sure that we restore peace and stability as soon as possible uh, so that we all live in a peaceful uh, future. Yuri Sark is an advisor to uh, Ukraine's Minister of Strategic Industries. Also, he's a former advisor to the country's defence minister. We're talking about the ongoing war in Ukraine and, of course, Donald Trump's somewhat inflammatory comments uh, on the weekend regarding NATO here on RN Drive. Just finally, Yuri, Volodymyr Zelensky's fired his top army commander. Why did this have to happen and, and why now? It was sort of speculated for some time. Why now? 
Well, Andy, because the time has come for us to upgrade our army, to upgrade the military leadership, to upgrade approaches to the way the rotations are done, the mobilization process is done. So this essentially is an upgrade that will make Ukrainian army stronger and uh, will bring more high-tech solutions to the modern warfare that we are fighting now. Was or is Zoluzny a, a political threat to Zelensky? We are not talking even and focused on politics because all we think about now is our survival. So uh, the way this uh, reshuffle has happened just demonstrated that, you know, we are focused on winning the war. Uh, we are united. We act as a team. Uh, the reshuffle was very civilized and amicable. And I think, uh, you know, those rumors about the political background of this uh, decision, uh, they have not come true. Really appreciate your time this afternoon, Yuri Sark. I know you've got a plane to catch. Uh, he's an advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Strategic Industries and a former advisor to the country's Defence Minister. I do appreciate your time, Yuri. Thank you. Thank you, Andy.